Hi, Brains On listeners. One quick thing before we get started. Brains On would not be possible without the financial support from our listeners. Here to tell you a little bit more are a couple of friends of the show. Hi, I'm Wormy. Yes, I'm a worm. But actually, my name is short for Vermhelmina, which is a family name going back because my grandmother... Gungador's turn now! Gungador is strongest in land! Right! Thanks for keeping me on track, Gungador. We're here to ask you to support Brains On. Gungador's favorite show! Mine too! I was on an episode about soil. And one about volcanoes! Gungador's in piano episode! Instant classic! Yeah! I may be small, but my voice is still a big part of the show, which is cool because sometimes when you're small, people ignore you or they don't take you seriously. Not on Brains On. We've had lots of small voices on the show and even some big ones. Gungador, big like dump truck. Yeah, you are. Lucky for me, you don't smell like one. Gungador recently discovered deodorant. Gungador's armpits smell like pine forest. They sure do, Gungador. Since you appreciate Brains On taking you seriously, no matter your size or age or species, uh, that's right. we're asking you to support the show. Just go to brainson.org slash donate. Your pledge helps Molly and the gang answer more of your questions. Plus, we've got some cool thank you gifts, like custom headphones, a heat-sensing water bottle, or a Brains On coloring book. Gungador always colors inside the lines. Wow. Nice crayon work there, Gungador. So remember, this show wouldn't be possible without your support. Make a tax-deductible gift now before December 31st at brainson.org slash donate. Thanks. Biggest thank you ever. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. This month, Brains On is all about those volts. So let's get started by tuning back into the Electric Games. Get ready for the race of a lifetime. Two inventors, two brilliant scientific minds racing to be the first to bring electricity to every home in America. On the right, Thomas Alva Edison! They call me the Wizard of Menlo Park because of my many amazing inventions. But in a few minutes, you can just call me the winner. And on the left, you know him, you love him, Nikola Tesla! I was born in Eastern Europe where my genius was renowned. Now I'm here in the States to shut you down. Booyah, Edison! Here we go. These two inventors from the late 1800s will rush as fast as they can to make an electrical grid that powers homes across the country. Who will win? Let's find out. On your marks, get set, go! This is Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom. I'm Hop De Martone, and this is part two of our series on electricity.
hear more about the competition between Tesla and Edison in a bit. First, let's dish some more about electrons. Last episode, we talked about how atoms exchange electrons to create static electricity. Today, we're going to talk about electricity in our plugs and lights, something a lot of you are curious about. Hi, I'm Brenton, and I'm 8. And I'm Will, and I'm 11. And And we we have a question. How do you get electricity into your home? How does electricity get to houses? How does electricity get to your house? My name is Karis from Austin, Texas. My name is Joshua. I live in Ellicott City, Maryland. Hi, my name is Jovian. I am from Kansas City. And my question is, how does power get into your house and do other electrical objects in it? Where does it come from? Where does electricity come from? Where does electricity come from? My name is Max. And I'm from Boulder, Colorado. My name is Lara. I live in Evanston, Illinois. My name is Jonah. I am eight years old, and I live in New York City. My question is, how is electricity made? The answer to all those questions is magic. Next topic. Just kidding. The real answer is very cool. Maybe even cooler than magic. When we talk about electrical power, we're talking about the flow of electrons through wires. When you plug something into a socket, you are tapping into that flow. When you plug in a lamp, for example, the flow of electrons goes into one of the prongs of the plug. It goes through a cable connected to that prong. That cable brings the flow to the tiny wire in the light bulb. That's the part called the filament. And that wire gets so hot, it gives off a glow. The electrons keep flowing through it, and then they pass down another cable, back out the other prong of the plug, and back into the socket. It's always a closed loop, so the electricity has to go through something and back to the socket to work. We call this a circuit. But electricity doesn't start at your socket. In most cases, it starts dozens or even hundreds of miles away. It zips through cables to your home in less than a second. Let's break this down. The first step usually happens at a power plant. We call it generation. Generation! Yep, generation means making the electricity. Most electricity in the United States, for instance, is made by something called thermal generation. Thermal? Oh, it sounds like a thermometer. Right, it means relating to heat. Thermal generation. Basically, with thermal generation, you start by using heat to make steam. You can get steam by burning wood, coal, or gas to heat up water. Nuclear reactors get steam by taking super hot nuclear materials and dunking the materials in water. Once you have steam, you send that gas through a series of blades called a turbine. A turbine is like the opposite of a fan. Instead of the fan spinning and blowing air at you, you push a gas through the fan and that turns the blades. Next, the spinning turbine powers something called a generator. Generator! This is where you actually generate electricity. Generators are where the mechanical energy from the moving turbines is converted into electrical energy. They use magnets to manipulate magnetic fields. Those fields push the electrons around, sending them down the wires. And thus, we have the electrical power! These days, lots of places are also using wind, water, and even sunlight to make electricity. We'll talk more about that later. So step one, create steam with heat and water. That spins the blades of a turbine. The turbine powers a generator. The generator makes electricity. And electricity 
charges the robot. Not quite yet. Beep, boo. That's just step one. Electricity still needs to get from the generator to an outlet in your home. For that, it's step two. Transmission. Transmission. This is when that electricity made at the plant is sent or transmitted out to the world. First order of business is boosting that electricity to very high voltages. Voltage is a measure of the force of the electricity running through the cables. You can think of it like water pressure in a hose. If you have low pressure, the water barely trickles through. If you have high pressure, a lot of water rushes out. High voltage is sort of like high water pressure, but for electricity. Our electricity needs to be high voltage so it could travel long distances fast and without losing too much power. Sort of like how you need high water pressure to shoot water super far from a hose. To boost the current, the electricity is sent through a transformer. Transformers, robots in disguise. Wrong kind of transformer robot. <laughs> Darn it. Once the transformer steps up the voltage, the electricity is sent through high voltage transmission lines. You've probably seen these on road trips. They're carried by big metal towers. Picture something built by a mad scientist to power Frankenstein. Or the Eiffel Tower's less fancy cousin. Ooh, that's a good one. These high-voltage lines travel long distances. When they get to your neighborhood, the electricity needs to jump back down to a safer, lower voltage. To do that, the power is sent through another transformer. From there, the power travels to homes in smaller cables underground or connected to wood poles. Just before it reaches your house, it'll pass through another transformer to cut the voltage even more. So many transformers. At your house, the electricity is wired to all your lights and appliances and outlets. And then it's ready to charge your robots. Finally, I was getting impatient. And that's how electricity is made and distributed. Whew, what a journey. Well, let's reset our brains with something totally different. Can I do it this time? Sure, go ahead. It's time for the... Here it is. Okay, any guesses? Uh, uh my, my guess is that it's a motor. Excellent guess. What do you think that motor might be doing? Hmm. And maybe blowing wind? Excellent. I don't know. Just a motor. Just a motor. Okay, well, mull it over a tiny bit more. We'll have the answer in a bit. Right now, let's get back to that epic matchup from before. Edison versus Tesla! That whole electrical system we talked about earlier, from the power plants to the transformers to the cables, that's called the electrical grid. Today, there are grids all over the world, but in the late 1800s, not so much. Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison both wanted to change that, but they had different ideas on how to do it. Back in the 1880s, there were two different schools of thought when it came to electricity. That's Alison Lantero. She hosts the podcast Direct Current and worked for the U.S. Department of Energy. It's a government agency that studies stuff related to electricity and other power sources. Allison says Tesla and Edison clashed over whether this new grid should use alternating current or direct current. AC or DC? This debate became known as the War of Currents. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Allison Lantero tells us the tale. 
So there was Thomas Edison, who was a big fan of direct current. Technically speaking, (laughs) DC is my jam. DC is direct current, which is the kind of electricity that runs continuously in one direction. It's the kind of electricity that's in a battery. And he, number one, had all the patents for direct current, which meant that he got money when people used it. Hey, what can I say? Inventing things is my passion, but getting rich is my side hustle. But number two, it was something that he had established and he thought was the best way for America to become fully electrified. It is my dream to see America running on direct current electric power, lighting homes with Edison bulbs, playing music on their Edison phonographs, and paying for it all by signing checks with Edison electric pens. Patent pending. But the problem with DC is it's really, really hard to convert it to higher or lower voltages, which means it can't travel very far. On the other side was a guy named Nikola Tesla. Greetings, world. I'm here to solve your problems. And he believed that alternating current was the way to go. Alternating current, or AC, is electric current that reverses direction a certain number of times per second. It's easier to convert it to higher and lower voltages, which means that we can send it much further. The AC power works really well with my nifty induction motor. Oh, did I mention I invented an induction motor? Well, I totally did invent an induction motor. It's amazing. Run some AC electricity through it, and it could power a factory. America will love it. I can hear them now. Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Those were kind of the two schools of thought back then. Thomas Edison was fantastic at marketing, and he's credited with inventing numerous, numerous things. Not to hashtag humble brag, but... An electric vote recorder, the phonograph, improved stock ticker, a motion picture camera. Those are just off the top of my head. He was not the person who invented the light bulb, but he did make it more efficient. And like I said, he was very good at marketing. Nikola Tesla, on the other hand, was also a big inventor, but is much less known. He was kind of a bit of a recluse and wasn't always that great at promoting his stuff. Genius sells itself. Edison is just hungry for attention. It's not like I'm going to play his game by, say, slapping my name on an electric car or something. (laughs) And was also a little bit crazy. Crazy? Is it crazy to want to bring electric power to the world? Is it crazy to want to give that power away for free? Is it crazy to not ask for fame, but simply for the satisfaction of a job well done? Later in life, he fell in love with a pigeon. So, um... Okay, yeah. I could see how that might look a little crazy. (laughs) So when we talk about the War of the Currents, we actually don't even talk about Tesla that often. We usually talk about George Westinghouse because Westinghouse had bought the rights to use alternating current. Hello, I'm George Westinghouse. 
business is my business and business is good. And so he was really the one who was bidding on things and saying that this is the electricity of the future. Meanwhile, Edison still wanted to make money off of his patents for direct current. And so what he did, instead of saying direct current is the way to go, he decided to have a smear campaign against alternating current. Extra, extra. Did you hear alternating current is the worst? Because it is. Read all about it. He would take out ads in newspapers to say how dangerous alternating current was. He also would electrocute stray animals with alternating current to show how dangerous it was. Seriously, dude? Not cool, Edison. Not cool. He went so far as to invent the very first electric chair using alternating current just to, to prove that this was the more dangerous kind of electricity. All I'm saying is AC is totes dangerous. Come on, Tom. Fire's dangerous if you stick your hand in it. Are we going to ban flames now? That's absurd. It's not the same. It's not the same at all. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is... The two aren't... You don't even know. So it really came down to the uh, Chicago World's Fair, which was in 1893. One of the things they wanted to do was have the entire fair be electrified. And so they set up a system for bids and they said, all right, how much is it going to cost to completely electrify this event? And General Electric had gotten the rights to Edison's patents and they said, "Okay, we can electrify your World's Fair for five hundred and fifty four thousand dollars using direct current. But George Westinghouse came And he said that he could do it for only $399,000. So he was going to save them over $150,000 using Tesla's alternating current. And so they went with alternating current. And that is how you business, my friends. Yes, AC over DC, baby. Tesla and Westinghouse are making moves and taking names. About the same time, Westinghouse set up the first grid to electrify a city, which was in, um, I believe, Buffalo, New York. That grid was run on alternating current. And so between those two things, alternating current kind of won the day. Ha! Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Edison. (laughs) Oh, boo-hoo. How will I ever get over this defeat? Oh, I know. I'll just wipe my tears with all the money I've made from my millions of other inventions. But, hey, congrats to you both, Tesla and Westinghouse. I mean, you know, whatever. After that, AC caught on in a big way. Grids grew and grew to eventually become the mega system we use today. brains on. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate you. We make Brains On so curious kids like you have a place where your questions, ideas, and smarts are the star of the show. If you got a question for the show, send it to us at hello at brainson.org. Or you can send us a drawing or mystery sound. When you do, we'll add you to the Brains Honor Roll. You'll hear the latest crew of honor rollees at the end of the show. And if you're a fan, please, please, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It'll help others find the show. Thanks. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, 
you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Back to our deep dive into the world of electricity. I'm Hopti Martone. I'm Molly Bloom. And now it's time to answer some more of your questions. It's time to... Ask an Electrical Engineer! My name is Jason Rondu. I'm an electrical engineer with Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. Hi, I'm Odin from Cupertino, California. How much electricity is in power lines? Yeah, so a power line that you drive past, say if you're in your neighborhood, will typically have thousands of volts. For reference, your home has about 120 volts for your electric outlets in the United States. Uh, so any given power line that you see driving around your neighborhood or your, your city, that's probably delivering electricity to hundreds of homes and businesses in your neighborhood. Hi, I'm John. I'm Ezra from Baltimore, Maryland, and I am six years old. My question is, why do different countries have different plugs for electric outlets? The U.S. and Canada and Mexico all have the two- or three-prong outlet, but if you travel outside North America and parts of Central America, you notice that there are many, many different types of plugs. The voltages actually are a little bit different based on the country you're in as well. So why? Well, as electricity use spread across the world, different countries developed their own plug standards. There were also some design innovations that made plugs a little bit safer. There's something like 15 different plugs if you travel around the world. If every country decided to use one type of plug, that would require changing billions of electrical outlets and rewiring homes all over the world. We could do all of that or we could just keep doing what we're doing today and we could buy an adapter and charge our mobile phones with an adapter when we leave for vacation. My name is Henry from Maple Grove, Minnesota, and my question is, how does electricity stay in the wires? Yeah, so electrical wires, electrical lines, are made of electrical conductors, uh, copper wires. And so that creates a path for electricity, and that path travels through power lines and actually into your home. And they're actually insulated with you know, rubber and, and plastics, and rubber is, is not a conductor. So similar to the reason that the wires on your appliances are covered in plastics and rubbers is, is to ensure that that electricity flows through that wire into the appliance. And so the same concept applies to the power lines that you see as you're driving through the streets. Hi, I'm Auden, and I'm eight years old. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I'm 10 years old. We live in Denver, Colorado, and we would like to know, why don't birds get electrocuted when sitting on power lines? 
when a bird perches on electrical wire, it doesn't create a new path for that electricity. But if a bird extended its wings and created a connection between two of the wires, there's a possibility of electricity flowing through that bird and that bird could get electrocuted because that bird now has created a path. It needs a completed circuit for that electricity to travel. So there is a possibility that a bird could get electrocuted, but again, if they're sitting in the middle of the wire and just perching right on top of that wire, the electricity is not flowing through them. It's flowing right through that wire and into your home. for tuning in to Ask an Electrical Engineer. Keep in mind, electricity is dangerous and you should never touch a fallen power line. So, Habte, I think it's time we get back to that mystery sound. Are you ready to give it another listen? Yes. All right, here it is. Any new thoughts? A very strong air conditioner and a motor powering it. Mm, that is an ex- so the motor is spinning to blow the wind? Excellent guess. Well, let's hear the answer. Hi, my name is Alexia. Jadelius and Ladelius. And we live in the Virgin Islands. That was the sound of our generator that we used to power our house. So, Habte, you oh. were really close because a generator is basically a reverse motor. A motor takes electrical energy and makes it into mechanical energy, where a generator takes mechanical energy and converts it into electrical energy so you can power things like the lights in your house. Oh. Alexia Jadarius and Ladarius are siblings from Ohio who recently moved to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Their mom, Elle, says they've been without electricity since Hurricane Irma hit this past September. And we're not expected to have electricity until sometime next year. So we currently have a generator. Um, It took us a month and a half for it to be delivered to our island because nothing was coming in and no shipments were going out. So now we get gas from the gas station and we supply that in our generator and we run it a couple of hours a day, maybe two or three hours a day. She says the hurricane wrecked the grid. New poles and transformers are being brought in, and workers from all over are helping to rebuild. But in the meantime, Elle and her kids are learning to make do with only a few hours of power a day from their generator. We have a lot of family time. We do a lot of reading and playing games. Uh, My children are homeschooled, so we do a lot of dominoes, and we do a lot of walks. We go to the beach quite often. (laughs) 12-year-old Jadarius says he misses playing video games, but since he can't do that, he's been passing time exploring outdoors and doing all kinds of things with his friends. Ride horses, chase chickens, and, like, draw stuff. And we do origami. Those are wild chickens he's chasing, by the way. Very hard to catch. His 13-year-old sister Alexia's been using the time off the grid to work on a book. My first book that I'm writing now is about a girl named Alex, and she has two best friends, Tamara and Nina. They start to, like, explore their houses more because they just moved there. Tamara's brother, he was in the attic, and then he found a hidden door that was in his house. Alexia's still working on the book, and she'll have plenty of time. It could be months before the grid is fixed. So for everyone living with power, 12-year-old Ladarius says, don't take it for granted. Did you appreciate the light? You can um, cook on electric stuff, and you can have 
an air-conditioned fan. Habte, have you spent any time without electricity? Oh, so over the summer, we were going, we were going on a trip to Ethiopia. We were visiting our cousins, and we've been using too much electricity. There was a bit of power outage. So you had to live without electricity for a bit in Ethiopia? Yeah, for a little bit. We were playing on their Wii, and that used a lot of electricity. And we heard a burning sound. The lights turned out. Then after a minute, it turned back on. Did you have to stop playing Wii then, or could you go back to playing it? Other other technology we had would work, but... The Wii took uh, too much power. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, that was one family living off the grid because of a storm. Now let's meet a family living off the grid for a different reason. I'm Leif from Fairbanks, Alaska. And I'm Gwen from Fairbanks, Alaska. And I'm also Leif's mother. Leif and Gwen actually live 30 miles from Fairbanks, and their home isn't connected to a grid at all. In Alaska, we don't have a continuous electric grid. And so where we live on the outskirts of Fairbanks, there just is no power grid that that goes out to where we live. And so um, for the last 25 years, we've just generated our own power at, at our place. It gets our electricity from three big resources, um, solar panels, generator, and a wind turbine. It works out pretty good. We, we cut our own wood, and it's... Uh, it's a, it's a pretty cool lifestyle. It's a neat way for the kids to grow up. Why do we live so far out of town, life? Because we have sled dogs. How many dogs? About 25. 25 dogs. Leif is learning to mush those dogs. That's where the dogs pull him on a sled through snow. But don't think that means dogs do all the hustling. Leif has to do work, too. Yeah, a lot of work. On, like, steep uphills, there's no way that they'll care bring your entire sled for, for you on a big, long uphill, so you have to really run and maybe even push the sled. So Leif and Gwen live in a house where electricity is made from wind and sun. But Gwen says how much they get of either can depend on the weather or the season. Yeah, it, it varies a lot um, throughout the year. You know, for our house, um, during the summer, uh, we have really good solar um, capacity in, in Alaska in the summer. And so the solar panels work really well. In the winter, they really don't do very much. We don't have much sun. But then during those seasons, we actually tend to have more wind. And so the two resources balance each other out really nicely um, between the sun and the wind, which we get at different times of the year. And then our diesel generator sort of fills in and is our backup And all of those different power sources feed into a battery system, which is really where we're drawing our power from. So all those energy sources feed into a single battery, and then that's how we get our power for lights and other things that we want to run in the house. Gwen is actually the director for the Alaska Center for Energy and Power, so she thinks about these sorts of things a lot. She says our electrical grid is old and was designed in Tesla and Edison's day to only send power one direction, from power plants to users. It was like a one-way highway. But today, people want to have solar panels on their homes. They want to be generating their own power. And now, all of a sudden, this electrical highway is becoming a two-way highway. And it's much more complicated. But when you have a really large grid like that, you might have solar panels that are serving users that might be hundreds of miles away. And the power that's generated is being used less than one second later. But in Alaska, where you don't have a transmission grid, 
you can't send the power to a user far away. It's got to be used by the people locally. And so there's, it's a tougher challenge. The good news is that solar and wind don't pollute like burning coal or wood does. So more people are looking to switch to these sources. The bad news is that we can't always predict when the sun will shine or the wind will blow. So researchers are looking into ways to store energy created this way for when it's needed. People want to have power when they want to have power. They don't want to wait for the sun to shine or the wind to blow, at least not in the United States. You know, in other places in the world, you might be willing to accept that you only have electric power at certain times during the day when it's available. No matter how you get your electricity, Gwen says it's important to remember that it took a lot of work and a lot of resources to bring it to you. So don't waste it. Turn off lights and electronics when you aren't using them. And remember, there's plenty of fun stuff to do that doesn't require power at all. Go write a book, play with some dogs, or chase a wild chicken. Most electricity comes from power plants. It's stepped up to high voltages, sent through transmission lines to neighborhoods, and then stepped down to make it safe for use. Our grid uses alternating current, in part thanks to visionaries like George Westinghouse and Nikola Tesla. The electric grid of the future might be powered by wind turbines and solar panels. Still, electrical power is precious, so don't take it for granted. Turn off those lights when you leave a room. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Molly Bloom. We had production help this week from Emily Allen, Lauren D., and John Lambert, and engineering help from Veronica Rodriguez and Ryan Roberts. Many thanks to Leah Martone, Rahel Haile, Albert Rodriguez, Brenna Everson, John Moe, Stephen Smith, John Miller, Jeff Nilica, and Jess Horwitz. And before we go, let's welcome the latest group to join the Brains Honor Roll. These kids power our show with their drawings, questions, and mystery sounds. Here we go. Dominic from Fort Collins, Colorado, Lev and Judah from Toronto, Eva from Ann Arbor, Michigan, Johan from Hillsborough, California, Kennedy, Eli, and Stella from Laguna Niguel, California, Abby from Nanaimo, British Columbia, Anna, Will, and Kate from Waltham, Massachusetts, Kaya from Albany, California, Sophia from New Jersey, Sophie and Ella from Brooklyn, Bennett from Crawfordsville, Indiana, Zoe and Allie from Nordland, Washington, Soren from Portland, Oregon, Alex from Auckland, New Zealand, Octavia from Austin, Texas, Yu Sin from Columbus, Ohio, Eli from Courtney, British Columbia, Kate from San Diego, Evelyn from Paris, Lockie and Florence from Shelford, Australia, Eli from Taylor Mill, Kentucky, Isabella and Renzo from Chicago, Masha from Olympia, Washington, Colin from East Lyme, Connecticut, Phineas, Layla, and Zach from Maplewood, New Jersey, Lucy and Beatrice from Aurora, Ohio, Noah from Mount Rainier, Maryland, Tegwin, Callum, and Declan from Davis, California, Elliot from Bolton, Vermont, Kai from Annandale, New Jersey, Nikita from the Bronx, Charlotte and William from Winchester, Massachusetts, Maddie and Henry from Atlanta, Joshua from Cary, North Carolina, August from Inwood, New York, Monty from Seattle, Noah from Ashburn, Virginia, Carson and Annalise from Minnesota, Grayson and Charlotte from Richmond, Virginia, Zev from Roslindale, Massachusetts, and Scarlett from Lakeville, Minnesota. We'll be back next week and powered up with an episode on batteries. Without them, say goodbye to that phone in your pocket. And your car. And modern life as you know it. We'll be back then. Thanks for listening.
Yeah.